United States is drug abuse. Yes, happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers that have done a great job raising children. It's I can't say enough. I just it's a tough job. So, but if your mother's, it's your day. So, God bless you. Right. Yeah. So, welcome oh, to the wow. show. Uh, we're going to talk about you. some kratom today, everybody. So, if you're interested, and hopefully you're here. Well, we just had a bunch of guests to come in here. Hey, uh, Christian, welcome, Jane, everybody, Jenny, girl. Good to see you again. Um, yeah, I'll let you take it from here. All right. So I want to tell you about my first guest. A few years ago, when I was a, a complete and utter civics idiot, I met uh, Mac Haddo. Uh, Mac, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be with you. So Mac is um, the Kratom lobbyist. Uh, and when you Google Kratom, Mac Haddo comes up. Mac, I want to ask my first question. I never got a chance to ask you this. Why why are you a lobbyist for Kratom and not another product? Because you seem like you really believe in, in this product. Well, uh, actually, my interest in dietary supplements and natural products started when I worked as the chief of staff at the Department of Health and Human Services back during the Reagan administration. And I got to see firsthand the way the FDA treats dietary supplements and natural products. Then in the mid-90s, uh, early 90s to mid-90s, I was working with the dietary supplement industry on the Deshay Act, the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. We worked heavily in the industry to make sure that we got that bill fast, passed and to narrow the regulatory path of the FDA. Uh, and in 2016, when the FDA convinced the Drug Enforcement Administration to publish a notice of scheduling of the two alkaloids in Kratom, I was called and asked if I could join the Kratom team, which I was glad to do, although I have to be honest and tell you that at the time, I told them that given the circumstances where the DEA had on 80, or I think it was 82 previous scheduling uh, postings, had never withdrawn one uh, using that particular section of the Controlled Substances Act. But I told them the only chance you have here is to at least establish a public record that the FDA had acted outside of its regulatory scope, that the DEA had been misled. Uh, and to my surprise, and I think to many other people around Washington, D.C., the DEA actually withdrew that notice after they saw the outpouring of support from Ukrainian consumers combined with a very strong, vociferous uh, opposition uh, by a bipartisan group of members of the House of Representatives and the United States Senate. So, uh, and I've been... Uh, engaged in the fight since then because we know that the FDA, if they had their way, would have Kratom off the market and completely banned in the United States. All right. So I want to break this down because 70% of the people that I advocate for rely hugely on Kratom. And you know, I also represent, um, I'm a pretty vocal voice for the pain community uh, and the opioid community. So I want to probably venture to say, and the doctors I work with, we actually have our patients who are underprescribed, they use Kratom to get them through their day. But in Rhode Island, it's been banned. And just for my elderly people, they're afraid they're going to go to prison if it's mailed into them. So I know Rhode Island remains to be a Kratom banned state. So what's what can we do in Rhode Island today? 
Well, unfortunately, the Department of Health, who has the statutory authority in Rhode Island to make these scheduling decisions, decided to follow the FDA's lead in what we characterize, frankly, as the FDA's disinformation campaign against Kratom. And they, the, the Department of Health in Rhode Island believes what the FDA says about Kratom. And the truth is that the FDA is wrong on the science and wrong on the policy. And if they were right, there is no question that the DEA would have scheduled it because the Drug Enforcement Administration at the federal level is the final arbiter of all of these decisions, but they are required by law to evaluate the merit of the argument. If the FDA were right that Kratom kills people, if they were right that it's dangerously addictive, uh, then they would schedule it. If the FDA were correct that it is something that acts like an opioid and gives you this euphoric high and creates this dependency uh, and, and addiction, then the, the DA would gladly schedule it, and typically they do within 90 days once a scheduling request has been made. But unfortunately, the Department of Health decided that they that the FDA was right and that the DEA is wrong. And we're fighting hard to try to unwind that decision. And the best thing that people can do is to lean on your state legislature uh, and your individual representatives in the legislature, because we now have bills in both the House and the Senate in uh, Rhode Island, which will uh, put an appropriate regulatory scheme in place. And it mirrors what's been done in many other states around the country, four that have already passed it. We had 21 states in play. Uh, but for the coronavirus, I think we would have at least a dozen of those already passed. We're getting closer uh, with some of the other states when they reconvene. And we know that we're going to have to fight this battle again in the uh, early part of 2021. But right now, the Rhode Island constituents, Kratom consumers and supporters, need to lean on their legislators to unwind what the Rhode Island Department of Health is not. Oh, my God. I'll tell you, I have these battles with Dr. Jim McDonald about opioid, about opioids, about Kratom. It's just this country, these people cannot, nobody has the life to live a quality-filled life anymore. Nobody can live a pain-free life unless, unless, Matt, it's... <laughs> You know, Dr. McDonald says, just take some Suboxone. That's great for pain. Take some Suboxone. That's good for addiction. But the addicts that I'm working with, these people want to be off Suboxone. These people want to rely solely on Kratom, yet our government fights us tooth and nail. It's this medication-assisted treatment nonsense that I'm constantly running up against when we have Kratom, an herb from Indonesia, and you visit Indonesia quite a bit. This, it's this constant tug of war with the FDA. Mac, on a federal level, where are we with Kratom? The FDA, well, the FDA is not a support. Yeah, the, FDA, the FDA is locked and loaded uh, to continue their war against Kratom. Uh, but we have isolated them. The DEA does not believe uh, what they've said about Kratom, obviously, because they haven't scheduled it. The National Institutes on Drug Abuse, who initially did concur, in fact, had to, uh, in order to get a scheduling request uh, actually submitted to DEA because they were responsible for the addiction liability portion of that uh, petition to the DEA. Uh, after we challenged the safety data, the deaths that the FDA claimed were uh, attributable to the Kratom, and we challenged the uh, pharmacology uh, argument with respect to addiction liability, the National Institute on Drug Abuse did their own analysis, independent of what the FDA did, 
And they found two things. One, they when they unwound all of the autopsy data, they found that all of the deaths, with the exception of one that the FDA claimed was Kratom only, every one of the 44 deaths, 43 of the 44, were because of either adulterated Kratom products, which is a problem uh, in the marketplace, or polydrug use, which is understandable because there are so many people that are trying to get off of their opioid addiction that they are looking for safe alternatives. And so if someone is in the progression of trying to uh, to wean themselves off of opioids, it would not be surprising that in, in an overdose death that there might be detected in the tox screen of the decedent kratom. Uh, we know that uh, a study was just done by the Johns Hopkins University professors with Dr. Garcia leading it, and they analyzed about 3,000 kratom users, adult kratom users, and they found that 91% of the people that use kratom in the United States do it for pain relief. Uh, some of them also try to treat the anxiety that's related to the pain that they're suffering from, acute or chronic pain. 41%, 41% of the adult users of Kratom in the United States are using it to treat opioid dependence. Now, that's, that's something that is astounding. And by the way, that's what NIDA found. NIDA looked at the data and said, well, this sounds to us like there's something that might work here. And so they looked at the addiction liability argument. And this is what all of the traditional medicine people look at, this is what Dr. McDonald told me that his big concern was. He said, and, and the Board of Health testified in a recent House hearing in the Rhode Island legislature, a completely inaccurate statement by saying there's been no scientific study to document that there isn't an addiction liability with Kratom. That is not true. The National Institute on Drug Abuse funded two independent animal studies, which are the gold standard for determining addiction liability of any substance. And what they found was that both studies, independent of one another, no addiction liability to Kratom. But astoundingly, they also found that the anecdotal evidence that people had reported over and over again that they found that Kratom helped them wean off of opioids, they found that test animals actually developed a lessening of the, crater, of the, uh, the cravings for morphine, which was the reference drug. That's why NIDA is now funding $15 million in studies into Kratom. It's why the, National, that's why the uh, Congress in the FY2020 budget asked for more uh, money to be plowed into Kratom research, including clinical trials in humans. And it's why the, the, uh, the Congress said we shouldn't ban it. The, the FDA today is isolated completely. And Dr. McDonald, who represents what I would characterize as that traditional medicine group, is a big supporter of medication-assisted treatment programs. Opioids have their place in the management and treatment of pain. But when you find someone that has such an acute addiction and they can use a safer product, and by the way, this ought to be the compelling argument. It's one that Dr. McDonald and his colleagues are completely tone-deaf to. If you can find a safer alternative than methadone, which killed in the same time period that they claimed that, that Kratom was killing people, there were 9,900 deaths related to methadone, I'm sorry, buprenorphine, I can never say this right, buprenorphine, buprenorphine, thank you, 21,000 deaths in the same time period. Uh, so there is no way that they can, and Kratom, by the way, hasn't killed anyone, and I'm not saying Kratom is 100% safe. I'm saying yeah. that in the statistical data, there is no, no one who has died from Kratom alone. The one that the FDA claimed, uh, that they and they have an army of people that investigated it. What they found it was it was a family report. 
that said that the decedent had used Kratom and that was the only thing they were using. There was no medical right. record to support that claim. So we, we haven't found a single substantiated death that is Kratom exclusively. We know that people are using uh, adulterated Kratom products and they are dangerous. We know that people are using Kratom in conjunction with opioids in their attempts to get off of them. The John Hopkins study found that of those that were treating opioid dependence, 41% of all Kratom users, 87% reported relief from their withdrawal symptoms. Now, there's no way that these medication-assisted treatment programs can match that. And yet, here's the more astounding figure. 35% were free from opioids completely within a year by using Kratom. Oh, so if sure, Kratom I mean... were adopted by these MAC programs, yeah. if they did it. But here's why they don't. Because the MAC programs are subsidized by federal programs, and that's where they mm -hmm. get their money. And they have to use FDA-approved products. They cannot use Kratom. And there is okay. a, uh, uh, an individual that runs the McShin Foundation who, in his own observations, and that's a medication-assisted uh, treatment program, his own observations, and he just published a, a report for us, said that he found Kratom to be very effective and reported from the people that were using it that they were able to wean off of opioids much faster, much more, much more safely. And, and because they can do it faster, they're not exposed to all of the problems that are associated with these FDA-approved drugs, which are in and of themselves deadly. So it makes no wanna, sense from a harm reduction standpoint. No, it, it really doesn't because I see COVID, I see um, uh, hospitals are being offered incentives to put a death down as a COVID-19 death. And I saw the same thing with, and we're realizing doctors are acknowledging the fact that my patient did not die from an overdose, but it went down as an overdose. Same thing is happening with COVID-19. There's got to be some sort of uh, incentive but I want to talk about the MAT programs for a minute, especially in Rhode Island, because a lot of people don't understand this. You just said that they receive, so doc, let's let's talk about the Rhode Island Department of Health. Do they receive grants or, or money if they use medicated assistant treatment programs? Where is the money in the middle of this? Well, the federal government has a, a multitude of programs, and some are contracts directly with a medic medication-assisted treatment program, and some go to the states for the funding of state-run MAT programs. So there is no question that there is a financial incentive, that a perverse financial incentive that leads these MAT directors, program directors, to continue to run those programs. And the states have a built-in financial incentive because if they, if they continue to expand their MAT programs to combat opioid disorder, then they're going to get more money. And we're trying at every level of government to contain what is a, an epidemic of opioid abuse. And the, the worst thing that we can do, the very worst thing, is to limit the treatment options that are available to people, particularly one that is safer, that is cheaper, and acts more quickly than the MAP programs do. It makes no sense to do what we're doing. It's wrong-headed, it's stupid, and yet the traditional medicine people simply refuse, refuse to accept the credibility of Kratom. I know a doctor in Wisconsin, a Dr. Michael McNett, I, I, I think I sent you an email, um, and I saw the email, and he's like, oh, we don't want another highly addictive program, uh, another addictive product like Kratom in Wisconsin, now do we? And 
and if I followed the money with Dr. McNett, I see the methadone and the suboxone. And these people are so narrow-minded. They're not willing to leave their box for a minute in an effort to help sick people, people with pain, people with addiction. Um, it's They're so focused on suboxone. Buprenorphine is advertised everywhere in Rhode Island. I, I want to venture to say, I think I see the Rhode Island Department of Health has launched their buprenorphine campaign. Um, it's on probably 14 times, 15 times an hour. Buprenorphine helps me. Medication, a distant, uh, medication assistant treatment helps me. And they're just so focused. And Mac, it's going to get so much worse for this country with addiction over the next year uh, post-COVID. I want to ask um, for the listeners, how how do we know if we're getting a safe Kratom product? Isn't there a safe Kratom act or what's the name of that act? There are, there are four states that passed the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, and there are 21 states where it's currently being reviewed by legislatures, including Rhode Island. And as I said earlier, but for the COVID-19 issue, we probably would have had many states that have passed it already. And what that essentially does is it says that a manufacturer of a Kratom product has to certify that there have been no adulterants added to the product, and they cannot change the proportion of the alkaloid content of the natural plant. So if they have a product, they can't artificially boost the alkaloids to have greater effects than the natural plant does. That guarantees the safety of the Kratom product. Then it requires that every product has to be labeled properly and has to be manufactured according to good manufacturing standards. So you're not going to see any of the contaminants, which are different than adulterants, that potentially could be harmful. And if you have a label that shows all of the, uh, the ingredients, then you, you can evaluate whether or not you've got an, an allergy to some of those ingredients that may be used in the product. Uh, it, and then we, we, we advocate for an age restriction, not because there has been any documentation that it is abused by children if the pure plant is not. It tastes terrible. It doesn't give you the reinforcing euphoric high of other drugs. But if you have a Kratom product that's adulterated, it can have, because it's, it, they have morphine or fentanyl or heroin in it, of course it's going to give you those things. And the unscrupulous Kratom vendors stick that kind of stuff in there in order to enhance their sales. Now, I don't think they're trying to kill people. They obviously aren't. But when they overdo it and a person takes it and takes too much of it, if it's an adulterated product, it can kill them. So what this Kratom Consumer Protection Act, which is currently filed in the uh, state of Rhode Island, gives an opportunity for consumers to have a relatively uh, high confidence if they purchase that product, can look at the labeling, and if it meets the standards of the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, then uh, they know that they've got a safe product. We currently, at the American Kratom Association, represent consumers. We don't represent the vendors, but we have a list of approved vendors who have voluntarily committed to meet the good manufacturing standards that the FDA should be requiring on these vendors, and you can have a higher degree of confidence in the safety of those products than you would for those that haven't met that standard. So we invite people to go and look at it, uh, evaluate those products, test it out with the, there are many chat boards, including one at the AKA, where people trade information about the products that they're using. Uh, that's the way for consumers to protect themselves right now. Ultimately, we need to have the FDA stand down from its war on Kratom, and we have, we expect then in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see a filing of the Federal Kratom Consumer Protection Act, which will force the FDA to treat Kratom as a legitimate dietary supplement, publish rules that allow for the marketing of Kratom, 
to make sure that people are marketing it and, and, and manufacturing it correctly. And then consumers have a far greater level of confidence they're getting a safe product. You know, it's unfortunate because a lot for the pain patients, um, if they are with a pain management doctor, they're not allowed to use Kratom. It's in the doctor's pain management contract. They're not allowed to use Kratom. Um, they're not allowed to use CBD products. It's um, you can take your pain medication alone and nothing else. And, you know, probably 70% of the pain population is being underprescribed right now. You know, when I jumped on the Kratom, I believe in Kratom because the people that I advocate for, they, they say, my gosh, Claudia, it's given me my life back, especially my Crohn's community. I have people that were running to the bathroom 40 times a day that can now go to work, leave, you know, not have Crohn's related issues because of Kratom. So the first thing that these people want to do, Mac, is they want to find um, a Kratom vendor. Uh, and there seems to there seems to not be a shortage of them. We just I never know if I'm sending a person to a good Kratom vendor. How do we know the difference? Well, like I said, on the AK website, there's a list of, of Kratom vendors who have committed to meet the standards and by the way, we require them to do an independent, to submit to an independent audit and submit the certifications from the independent auditor that they are in compliance with the good manufacturing standards of the FDA and for and dietary American- supplements. And so, Kratom Associated, AmericanKratom.org, and you can go onto the website and look and then just test them out. You can, again, talk on the chat boards, but you can find out which are, people obviously want to shop on price. But the key thing is to buy a quality product. This I think, is the same problem we find with CBD. You can buy cheap CBD, but it's not a quality product. So we just want to make sure people are advised that look for the quality products and don't be price-driven completely. I think a, a big thing, too, is make sure it's lab-tested, too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's required in our Kratom Oh, is that section. required? They have to have an independent cert- a, a certificate of analysis which documents the safety of that product in, in terms of that lab test. And so they test it to make sure that there's no contaminants or adulterants in it and that it meets the specification. No, I agree completely. The Kratom that we had had the, the barcode right in the back. You scan it and it brings up the, the actual test report with everything they tested in it. So, Right. And that's a great you thing know. because then now it's possible that someone can, can cheat and, and oh, yeah. you know Photoshop a, a COA. That's why the state needs to be there because in the states where the Kratom Consumer Protection Act passed, it is a crime if you doctor a certificate of analysis. It's a crime if you make a claim that you are that you have not added any of these adulterants into it to spike the effects of it. So that's important in order to establish some level of consistency in the marketplace. You know, hey, something I- else that... Oh, sorry. No, that's fine. That's fine. I just have a, I have a comment. We have someone in the chat here that, uh, Christian, um, who says in 2016, when her doctor retired due to guidelines changing, I was thinking about going to subs. I'm assuming that's a box zone, but I didn't trust doctors enough to go that route. I was terrified and left behind going through cold Turkey. So I too, it's a gamble with the Kratom, but boy, am I very thankful I did it. 
I don't have any, I don't rely on any prescriptions. That's wonderful news. That's wonderful news. I just wanted to share that quick in there. But you've got the, you've got the evil FDA, you know, terrorizing people saying, you know how many deaths there were due to Kratom? We can't find any Kratom. We can't, I can't find any Kratom related deaths. It's such bullshit. It's always, it's always, uh, it's always cocktails in the, you know, if, if something's in there, like, like Mac was saying, you know, it's, it's never, I don't think they've had. They've identified one overdose from just from Kratom as there's always been, you know, when you mix drugs together, of course, of course, there's going to be problems. But, yeah, what a big misconception they put out there. Right. I've been in in probably almost 40 states and attended hearings where literally hundreds of people will show up at a hearing. And I have heard over the course of those hearings, thousands of people tell the very same story that you just repeated, that Kratom saved their lives restored their quality of life. People got their lives back. There was a registered nurse in the state of Utah whose husband was a member of the legislature and he was the co-sponsor on the House side of the Kratom Consumer Protection Act. He did it as a favor to Senator Kurt Bramble, who was our lead sponsor. Kurt believes in it passionately, but Representative Dodd, you know, just did it as a favor and part of a political deal that he did. His wife had breast cancer and after her treatments, had these intense migraine headaches and the, the opioids that were prescribed for uh, made, just literally debilitated her. And she said that she, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't help her effectively manage her pain in desperation. She turned to Kratom because, and she called up uh, Senator Bramble and said, do you have any that you could give me? She, she said as a registered nurse, nurse, she was skeptical. Uh, traditional medicine people are. She said that she took the first dose of Kratom Within 20 minutes, she felt her pain go from a 10 down to a 2. She said she waited four hours. It started to uh, to, to wear off. Uh, she waited another hour just to make sure, took it again, had the same effect. She is now a, almost an evangelical advocate and just did a television advertisement for us that we're going to be putting out onto the airwaves here uh, shortly. And it's a powerful testimonial from someone who is in the same position as these traditional medicine people have been. And she is now an advocate for Kratom. And I hear that over and over again. There was a veteran in San Diego County that testified there who said that because of service-related injury, he went from one VA hospital to another and all they did was prescribe him opioids. He became an addict. He lost his family. He became homeless, lost his job. He was, he was on his back. And someone in the homeless community said, you ought to try Kratom. He tried it. He has gotten his life back. And he told the members of the San, the San Diego County, I'm sorry, yeah, San Diego County Board of Supervisors, that all of that story said it saved my life. And if you ban it the way it's proposed today, he said it's a death sentence for me. And that's the kind of impassioned story that people tell over and over again. And that's why we win big in these states. In the state of Utah, it's 24 to 1 in the Utah Senate. In, in Georgia, it was 164 to 1 in the House and 50 to nothing in the Senate, unanimous in both houses in the Arizona legislature, unanimous in the Nevada legislature. In the Missouri House of Representatives two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, 139 to 6, in the Oklahoma House, it was unanimous. We're getting those votes because once public officials get to see the science, they see the lies that the FDA is telling, and they see the effects that it has on people, they understand. And that's why we're fighting so hard to push back at the FDA because they're wrong on the science and wrong on the policy. 
Yeah. And I've seen Mac in action. Mac, Mac is smooth like butter, as I say. Hey, Mac, <laughs> something else that people can do right now is they can go to the CDC. The CDC has opened up a comment portal. Um, you know, it's it's on my national page, um, and it's regard to uh, it's regarding uh, treatment of acute pain. I don't know if it has to do with the 2016 CDC guidelines. I think it's the same portal that we've been commenting on. Um, do you know what I'm talking about, or have I? I no, no, I do, and and thank okay. you for bringing that up because we've encouraged those in the Kratom community to go on and tell their stories as well. Uh, this is another opportunity for us to, uh, once again, take an advocate for the FDA's position on Kratom and on their their goofy, uh, you know, attitudes about uh, medication-assisted treatment programs, and convince through public comment the CDC to reevaluate their lockstep position because they've been a, a, you know, just in lockstep with the FDA. Uh, those comments make a difference and we encourage everyone, and it may not just be for Kratom, anyone who has struggled with opioid addictions or had barriers to finding treatments that would be effective for them needs to tell their story because it will make a real difference with the CDC and we can further divide the FDA uh, and isolate them even further than they are today. Okay, really quick, guys. Uh, I just dropped the link to that document, that CDC document in the chat, in the live chat. So anybody that wants to, you know, just put that into your browser, page, you're going to download a document in order. Oh, you're breaking to, up. Uh, I see can hear every other word. Story and, oh. and do whatever you need to do. So um, please. So, um, well, we got a little contest going on just real quick. I can, I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. I can hear every other word you're saying. So Mac, um, the first, you know, this is, it's intimidating for people to reach out to their local representative. It's something that I push daily, you know, sit down, meet with your local rep. When somebody contacts their representative, for me, it was Greg Amori. That's how I was able to get hey, my legislation. Hey, Claudia, sponsored. do you want to? Oh. Hello? Claudia, do you want to uh, see if you can get to a better spot of your room? It seems like you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, is it yes, really? Yes, you are breaking up, Claudia. Oh, goy vey. Now I'm going to have to move on Mother's Day. Mothers can't get a break today. Let me try and move somewhere. <laughs> How's that any better? Is that any better? No, somebody said you're breaking up Tim and Dave. I don't think it's me breaking up. Plus, I'm the mother here. Um, how's that? <laughs> that? No, you sound good. You sound good. Okay. All right. I'll just stand with one leg elevated through the rest of the show. So, Mac, the first thing people need to do is reach out to their local representative and get involved. That's step one. Um, and that can be intimidating for people. Do states all have a local lobbyist? I saw that Bill Murphy is now the local lobbyist for Rhode Island. Uh, but do all states have a local person lobbying? Uh, no, that would be prohibitively expensive for us. But we do have in targeted states. So we have lobbyists on the ground in about 20 states. Uh, we, but I can tell people with with a surety that there is no problem with you calling your local member of the house of representatives or state senate these are these are average people for the most part uh most states rhode island's a little bit of an exception new york's an exception uh that most of these people are part-time legislators and even in rhode island 
they do have full-time jobs and the, the Rhode Island legislature schedule, they come in late in the day when they are in session. So these are average people. They understand it. And picking up the phone and calling them is absolutely appropriate and critical because I can hire all the best lobbyists in the world. But the thing that moves people is when a constituent is able to attest to the experience that they've had with an alternative opioids, including Kratom and other things, that's what the story you need to tell. And they need to hear it. And it's better from you than it is from a lobbyist. I attended the hearing in uh, in Maryland where a proposed ban, and Senator Younger there, Senator Young, had proposed a, a ban on Kratom. And in the Senate hearing, he heard from uh, probably two dozen of his constituents, and each one of them told this powerful, emotional stories. And some of them were scared to death doing it. They admitted it. They said they were nervous, and yet they got their stories out. And at the end of the hearing, Bender Young said, this is compelling. That was the word he used, compelling. He said, and I frankly agree that we should have the Kratom Consumer Protection Act. He said, can someone get me some Kratom because I have bad arthritis in my knee? Uh, people, when when individual uh, users and consumers tell their stories and tell how it's changed their lives, and so I encourage everyone overcome that that you know that anxiety about calling up and talking to them. They, if they if they say no to you, fine, but at least give it a shot and and just tell your story. And they are average people; they're not like a U.S. senator or a U.S. congressman. That obviously are a little more difficult to get through because they have layers of staff members. Here in the local level, you can talk to your elected representatives, and you should. Yeah, I I I can't stand anybody at this point, <laughs> including my Congress people. I just I, I'm so sour on politics, Mac. I feel like um, <laughs> I mean I'm I'm returning for a third time in 2021, and my bill passed the House, but I short of giving a kidney. I mean, it's just disgusting. I could, you know, I say on my left, my next life, I would come back as an, an attorney slash lobbyist, but you know, you have to keep your cool, but I mean, my lawmakers sell insurance by day and they practice medicine by night. It's disgusting. It's wrong. And you know, we just had this conversation. Sometimes I think I want to become a libertarian. It's just astounding to me that you have a natural product like Kratom, uh, just the addictions community. I cannot believe that um, in a state like Rhode Island where it's been banned, my um, my people with addiction, they're, they don't want to be on that horrible Suboxone. Listen, Suboxone works for some, don't get me wrong, especially for my pain people, but you know, I have got to work harder in Rhode Island and I will because I think I just like to challenge Dr. McDonald because it, you know, I laugh when I do it. That man has been a thorn in my side. Um, and there's just something about him. I don't know whether it stems from Dr. Scott or if Dr. McDonald, you know, takes glory in, in what he does to the suffering, but I'm going to work harder for the Kratom community. And I don't use Kratom. Um, I don't make money off of Kratom. I don't lobby for Kratom. Same with opiates. But once again, it goes back to people should be able to live a pain-free life with opioids, with Kratom, with CBD, with any weed, plant, with whatever, plants. anything. Yeah, our, our stance on it and our listeners know that if it is a plant-derived medicine, and it's not, you know, it's a, besides using things to extract maybe properties of the plant, 
we feel it should be a regulated substance. We, we don't feel like you should be, you know, that you should be banning because I always hear the argument and it's always, it always cracks me up when they talk about illicit drugs and bad drugs and street drugs and different drugs. And some of these same people will also share with you their recipe to make apple pie with 190 proof vodka. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it, to me, it's, it's crazy that that you know you you certain drugs you regulate and you get like you know i have no limit i could go buy 30 cases of alcohol no no problem if i want to drink it all the night nope not not an issue but anything else is so you know um it's treated so differently and it's just uh just a huge thing we always talk about it on our show we always talk about the new drugs that are coming out every year which there are six fifty to 60 new synthesized drugs that come out every year and we feel like these wouldn't be as much of an issue if people had the available drugs in, you know, the plant form, you know, or, 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 or slightly there from and, and Kratom, Dave and I, we're going to sell Kratom with our happy lifeline. And we actually hooked up with a vendor in Florida, very reputable vendor, got the third party testing. Um, we had everything down, but you know what? It is so hard to get banking and get legal like it was hard enough to do cbd it's like we had to go through you thought we were opening up uh, a, a stock crack, market crack store yeah, um. thought, <laughs> i mean the amount of <laughs> questions and regulations and everything just for cbd a non-psycho psychoactive substance was so difficult i mean banks don't want to deal with us uh online uh website providers don't want to deal with us Credit card processors don't want to deal with us. You have to go to specialized, high-risk type people. And it was the same thing with Kratom. If we would have put Kratom on our CBD website. No bank would touch us. Yeah, no bank would touch us. And as soon as they find out, you know, then they want to. And it's, you know, unless you're doing $50,000 a month or you're doing a, a high amount of sales, you know, the risk ain't worth the reward for some of these processors. So it's very difficult uh, to get into the Kratom market to provide high quality Kratom just because you have those legal hurdles and things like that. Not to mention if we're in Michigan and we, we sold it to somebody that's in a banned state, you know, what kind of ramifications could come from that. So all in all, it just kind of shot down the yeah. entrepreneurial, you know, part of it for us. We just, we're sticking with CBD. We love CBD. We use it and we love Kratom too. Uh, but uh, but until Matt gets all these states on the same level and federally passed, we're gonna we're just gonna. I'll say, me and you have enough kratom to last us for a while. Yeah, we do. We're not selling it now. <laughs> it's just sitting just sitting well, at home I'll now. Well, I'll tell exactly. you, yes, and a lot of people were really nervous about: Am I going to be able to receive my kratom shipment? So people were you know, really stocking up and there was rumor that there was a Kratom shortage. So Mac, I know you, you head to, um, Indonesia, what, three, four times a year. Right. And, and I also was, uh, was in Thailand and the FJ makes a big deal about how Kratom is banned in Thailand, uh, and, and has been, and that's Kratom, the mother of Kratom. Well, the truth is that Kratom was banned in 1943 in Thailand because they had the, uh, the U.S. pharmaceutical companies coming in and with a high demand for opium plants. Growing opium. And then 
they did. And the Minister of Health in Thailand, his request of us was help me figure out what the right regulatory scheme is because we are going to decriminalize Kratom. And they did. And in the second meeting with him, he said, Oh, I think I lost Mac. Can you hear me now? Lose everybody. No, we no, oh, we can I hear can, you. Okay. We so, can hear you. So, I know some of. The, so the bottom line is in Indonesia, ninety-five percent of the kratom that comes into the United States today comes from Indonesia, notwithstanding the so-called import ban that the FDA has put into place. Uh, but all of the all of the barriers to to access to safe kratom products are what you've described with the banking system, with the being able to get, uh, you know, website vendors to help you. All of that is derivative of the closed-minded and, and tone-deaf attitude of traditional medicine community, including interested in hearing the science that completely discounted the arguments he was making about Kratom and he didn't read a one of them. And the reason I know that is that he sent his lobbyists to sit, sit there in front of the health committee and make completely inaccurate statements that were discredited by the information that I had sent, and they hadn't even read them. So uh, this is this is a frustrating experience when you think about it. But, you know, people's lives are in the balance. And when you look at the number of people who say that their lives have been changed or that they their lives have been saved because of Kratom and other non-opioid remedies – what is wrong with this country when we do this? Uh, there was a, a woman who's in, at Johns Hopkins University that's probably one of the most experienced uh, addiction liability experts in the country who called Dr. Hennifield, who uh, do, has done a lot of work in this area, and he was testifying before the FDA. And she called him up and she said, Jack, I want to tell you, you're right about Kratom. She said, I absolutely believe in it. She goes, the reason I do is that my son was an addict. And she said that he got saved from his addiction uh, by buprenorphine, and but he wasn't he wasn't able to function in his life. And then he found kratom. She was, and I fear that he that a ban on kratom is going to be kind of come down, and we're going to lose our son again. And you, here you have a person who's highly sophisticated in the science, who understands addiction liability, who understands this whole process of drug approvals, and she is crying out. And she submitted testimony to the FDA saying exactly what I just told you, that her son's life was saved by Kratom. And yet the FDA continues, and, and Dr. McDonald, and it's, you know, I don't understand why he won't at least have an open mind to listen to the science, to evaluate it, and then see that people really are being helped. And in, in a in a situation where, as the President's Commission on Opioid, Opioid Crisis said, we ought to be looking at safe, non-addictive alternatives to opioids, and yet Dr. McDonald is in the dark ages when it comes to that. He refuses to even think about it, look at it, or evaluate it fairly. When we met with him, he walked out of the meeting early, even though we, we had been promised. To, and by the way, Dr. Scott was very helpful. Uh, she said, and she clearly wasn't happy when he got up and walked out. Uh, she said that she would open up a, a true look at this, and I think they're in the middle of trying to do that. We're hopeful that they'll support the, uh, the, the Creating Consumer Protection Act in the legislature once they, again, look at the data that we've sent, resent them. Uh, and and I, was, I was hopeful that Dr. McDonald wouldn't have as much weight in the decision as he's had in the past. 
Well, I'm hopeful that he's going to take an early retirement. So let me tell the pain <laughs> community. I'm going to tell them, you know, and this is why, thank God I don't get paid because I could, Mac, I'm always polite. I will never be censored. I was born with the gene. I'm resistant to being censoring. You are a paid lobbyist. You have to be censored. You have to be polite. I'll always be polite. I'll never be censored. But there's something that just doesn't sit with me with Dr. McDonald. And I hear it from so many physicians in Rhode Island. And I promise I will get to the bottom of it eventually. Let me tell the pain community what we're doing wrong and what the Kratom community is doing right. The Kratom community has one website, you click on it, you donate, and you're paying for the best of the best. Mac, you worked under Ronald Reagan, President Reagan. Man, you must have some stories, Mac. I can only imagine. You, you, so they're donating, and all of this. So the money that's raised through um, the American Kratom Association, Mac, that goes to pay for lobbyists. I don't think you folks do a whole lot of um, advertising. I've not seen commercials. I've not seen anything on social media. I see a lot of platforms about kratom, but. How many lobbyists are there? I think there's four. There's yourself and what, how many others? Well, we, we have on the ground now uh, in 20 states paid lobbies that are helping us with this effort. And mm. we have four in Washington. Uh, we spend uh, approximately $160,000 a month on lobbying uh, fees. We are yeah. going to get into the paid advertising in targeted media markets because when we, when we get the Federal Kratom Consumer Protection Act, uh, filed, we're going to be looking to educate people about Kratom, and we're going to use powerful uh, consumer ads, and they will have wide distribution uh, on social media platforms, so people will be able to see this. This idea that the FDA can demonize the Kratom community by saying that we're all a bunch of, of goopy drug addicts is over. We're not going to put up with that any longer. There are more than 15 yeah. million people that use Kratom in the United States today. A third of them yeah. use it just like a cup of coffee. It gives you a boost of energy. It gives you increased focus. Sure. About a third of them use it to manage mood issues and some depression. And then that other third use it for pain management as an alternative to opioids. It's safer. Mm -hmm. It is even if you believe what the FDA says. And by the mm -hmm. way, you shouldn't. But even if you believe that there were 44 deaths, acetaminophen killed 18,000 people in the same time frame. Yeah. Now, and, and the opioids is you know, well over 113,000 in the same time frame that the FDA, and this is from their FAERS data. I'm, I'm comparing apples to apples. The FDA's adverse event reporting system, it's not a perfect system, and yet they used all of that data to submit to the DEA the death data from their FAERS reporting system. But I took the FAERS system and I did it comparing apples to apples, and, and Kratom comes out as the least the least dangerous substance of all of them. And by the way, I hear people all the time saying, oh, well, caffeine uh, doesn't, because we say all the time that caffeine is, is uh, an equivalent kind of problem if you abuse it. And they said, nobody's ever died of caffeine. Well, there were 624 deaths attributed to caffeine in the yeah. database in the same time period as uh, Kratom. Now, we accept social uh, costs that are associated with lots of products. I mean, you look at what happened with alcohol. Today, alcohol kills a lot of people, right? We know that. The and, most. And I think there were 12,700 people uh, died of alcohol uh, uh, you know, addictions and that kind of thing in that same time period. But, but we accept some social risks, but 
and, and what did Prohibition get us? Other than, the only good thing that came out of Prohibition is we got NASCAR. Other than that, there was there was absolutely nothing that was good about it, right? And we we should have learned our lesson, and we haven't. And yet here you've got in in 2020 the FDA on a crusade to try to ban kratom, prohibit people from using it. It would never work. It would it would create a black market that would be far more dangerous. Or as one scientist after another said, if you ban kratom, you force people to go to either the acetaminophens and, and, and NSAIDs. All of which are very dangerous in, in, in terms of how you have to use them for pain management, particularly for acute and chronic pain management, or you go to opioids. And we already know that they're far more deadly, even if you believe everything that the FDA says about the uh, about kratom being somehow dangerous. And it's not, unless it's adulterated or mixed with polydrug use. So we we are ready to take this fight and continue this fight. We've already taken it to them. The FDA does not like us. Uh, they refuse to meet with us. Uh, I've met with the Minister of Health in. Uh, in Thailand and in Indonesia, and yet I can't meet with the FDA commissioner in the United States. I mean, that that tells you something about the closed-minded and tone-deaf people that are running this policy. But Congress is going to wake them up, and and we're ready to take that fight at the federal level with the Congress. Yeah, just real quick, we got got Melissa in the chat. She makes a good point, and I don't want this point to get lost in the conversation about the opioid deaths. We want to make sure that we're clear that – that a lot of that was illicit opioids. A lot of that wasn't determined to be prescription opioids. So we just want to make, you know, we're yeah, talking we apples to apples. Peace. We want to keep yeah. the peace, but at the same For time, sure. you know, the pain patients are right. It's the same thing when they tried to skew the kratom deaths by not, you know, by um, taking away the other substances. But it's the same way with the opioid. Uh, community as well, as far as el- a lot of alcohol mixing, a lot of cocktail. So we're talking about uh, patients treating pain and not the addictive part of it, which which are sometimes are the same, but sometimes they're completely different. So I just wanted to throw that out there for Melissa's comment. There you go, Melissa. We go. And she's right. <laughs> and I can tell you a great example of this is that we got a call from a medical examiner in Idaho who had submitted a death report for an overdose. And it was illicit opioids that killed him, uh, the individual. And the right. FDA called him. The FDA called him and said, we want you to change that to a kratom-caused death. Uh-huh. And he said, why? He said, well, oh didn't God. the talk screen show that there was kratom? He said, yes, but it was such a low level. It had nothing to do with the death. We need you to reclassify that death as a kratom death. He said, I refuse to do that. It would be unethical to do that. And they threatened to take it to his boss uh, in the health department there. And he said, do it. He said, because I'll fight back there the same way I'm fighting you. That tells you what the FDA is up to. And that's why they, they, they classify deaths according to what their agenda is rather than what the truth is. Yeah. Now, we see Absolutely. that with COVID, too. There's, you know, there's incentives that are going on now. If doctors or if hospitals will classify a death that occurs in their hospital, it might be in a hospice. It might be the patient died right. of cancer. And then they say, well, let's call it right. because it happened in the midst of this COVID. Let's call it that because they get money for it. That's unfortunate yeah. because we ought to drive good public policy with truth, not with cooked up numbers. Yeah, and we have doctors in prison uh, who have gone down for overdoses and nobody, and we have, we have researched these deaths continuously um, and, and it's wrong. We have deaths going down as one thing when they shouldn't be. It's like a person who dies from cancer. Um, you know, we're not, 
I, I don't get me, I'm not going to go off on a tangent because it's Mother's Day and I'm going through menopause. So that's a double whammy. Now, Mac, <laughs> didn't I see that you have a former congressman um, uh, that has joined the American Kratom Association? Yes, uh, a former Arizona congressman, Matt Salmon, uh, who in 2016 led the fight to get the uh, 51 signatures of the members of the House of Representatives on the letter telling the, the DEA not to schedule Kratom. 25 Democrats, 26 Republicans, very bipartisan, helped with the Senate where we had 13. And all this was done in a three-week period, by the way. At 13 members of the Senate, to give you an idea of the breadth of the philosophical difference, you had on one hand Bernie Sanders, most liberal guy in the U.S. Senate, and then you had Warren Hatch on the other side, arguably most conservative. Both signed the letter saying, don't ban Kratom. Matt Salmon has uh, now come on as the chairman of the American Kratom Association. Uh, his, his breadth of knowledge in this area is fantastic. His network of contacts in the U.S. Congress is unparalleled. He served while in the Congress as the chairman of the Asia-Pacific Subcommittee. Uh, he knows everyone over in Southeast Asia. And so he's going to be a great resource for us and, and really will be a catalyst for us to be able to get doors opened that have previously been closed to us. So we're excited to have him aboard. Now, I have a silly question. Mac, because you're so connected, right? I mean, you you were the chief of staff for HHS. Why not recruit somebody from the FDA? Well, the, you know, the FDA uh, is has a lot of people, and, and I would love to have someone working with us that previously was with the FDA uh, to really kind of expose the underbelly of this. Uh, it's difficult because the FDA is very conflicted. Uh, I've talked to many people out there who are currently on the staff there in the dietary supplement division and asked them, why have you routinely denied new drug ingredient application, I'm sorry, new dietary ingredient applications that have been submitted that are otherwise characterized as bulletproof? They meet all of the criteria and standards for approval as products. And the answer was, because until the front office, meaning the commissioner's office, changes their policy, we're not approving anything. That's how unfair this policy is, that even if you can meet the criteria that is established by the statute, they're not going to approve it because of, they're using, well, I should say, abusing their discretion. So getting someone from the FDA to come out and, uh, and actually criticize the current administration is difficult because most of those people are looking to you know, have a job and they cash a paycheck. And they, if they get sideways with the, the FDA, there aren't many people that are willing to do that. Uh, so we've got, yeah. we've got to kind of take, take our shots from the sidelines in some respects, but we are getting members of Congress who are calling, uh, uh, Congressman Pocan uh, called the, the new FDA commissioner and said, you need to explain to me what this Kratom policy is and why you have an import alert and why are you on this crusade against Kratom? And they've had an ongoing dialogue, which I think is going to make a difference because Dr. Hahn is obviously going to be far less biased and far less of a of a uh, an advocate for uh, a ban on kratom than Scott Gottlieb was. Uh, we we hope to keep nipping away at this, and we think we're going to come up with a good regulatory plan that Dr. Hahn could accept, and we're hopeful that that'll happen sooner than later. I want to jump back to Rhode Island. Let's say that both the House and the Senate agree um, we want to make Kratom legal. We want to um, have safe Kratom in the state. But if the Department of Health doesn't support the decision, it, it nothing happens, correct? No. Uh, the, the legislature has the authority 
to to make the law. And they could simply say through the Kratom Consumer Protection Act that that it is legal and then designate the Department of Health to and, and direct them to establish the regulatory scheme in order to regulate uh, the, those Kratom uh, vendors in the state. The, the, they would remove that discretionary authority from the Department of Health. Now, we're hopeful, and based on Dr. Scott's uh, review, I think that she was very reasonable. She was very open. Uh, Dr. McDonald wasn't, but Dr. Scott was. Uh, I'm very encouraged that she's going to come to the right decision whether the legislature moves quickly enough or not. I think that she may withdraw that ban. And now she she doesn't have the authority to do all of the Kratom Consumer Protection Act elements that are important. And so that's why we think the legislature is, it, it plays a significant role here. But I think that, uh, that she, that again, she was very reasonable. I think she's open to this, and I think she's much better uh, tuned to the realities of the marketplace than Dr. McDonald's. He, he just took a completely ridiculous approach. We were in the midst of describing to them the science that's there, and he was pushing back at us saying, oh, well, the way that the, uh, the Kratom's alkaloids impact the opioid, the MU opioid receptor in the brain, that's proof positive. And we simply made the point back to him. There is published literature which disputes what you're saying. There are many substances that hit those same MU opioid receptors that don't have that reinforced eye, that do not have the impact on the respiratory system. And he kind of challenged this. And so we rattled off. One of them, by the way, and it's a, from a peer-reviewed published study uh, that says that cheese hits the same MU opioid receptor. And it accounts for why cheese is such a popular thing like pizza and other things because it gives you a little bit of a pleasure boost. Damn right it does. When he, heard, when he heard that, he said, you want, I mean, he was, he was condescending and nasty and said, you want me to take you seriously? We were just responding to his argument, which was completely discredited by the science. And yet he took it as, oh, you want me to believe that cheese has the same effect as Kratom? That wasn't our <laughs> I'm laughing because I know Dr. McDonald. And if I could, I can only, I wish I was in that room because Dr. McDonald stands at about three and a half feet tall. And he, you know, you know what intimidates Dr. McDonald is when I bring another doctor into the mix. And he doesn't like going toe to toe with a physician. Um, that's intimidating to Dr. McDonald. I respect Dr. Scott. I actually respect uh, Gina, Gina Governor Raimondo, but McDonald does not like to be challenged. And when he's challenged, he gets pissed. I'm going to help change that, Mac. I'm, I'm going to actually make it one of my missions in Rhode Island just because I have some time on my hands. So, Mac, how can people donate? Uh, they go to americankratom.org, uh, and and, uh, and there's a button there to donate. We appreciate everyone. These are tough times. Uh, people are strapped financially, so we don't ask anyone to make a contribution unless they have a little bit of discretionary income to do it. We don't want right. to put anyone in, in a further financial hole. We're very sensitive to that, uh, but we've got to pay bills, and, and that's the only way we've been able to keep this fight going, uh, and and we, we are most grateful to those people that make the sacrifice routinely to help us because they know that this fight has to be fought. Yeah. And they're, I'll tell you, I, and I get, I get attacked on social media and I always say, let me tell you what the Kratom community is doing that the pain community is not. And I get my ass kicked all over social media. People are like that's because the Kratom community has money. I say, well, don't smoke. And you know, if you're, are you a smoker? Yes. Smoke less cigarettes. 
contribute to the lobbyists. We need a lobbyist. And I have to address the elephant in the room because if I don't do it on the show, I'll, it'll be addressed somewhere else. You know, I'm a, of course, I'm a, a supporter of um, opiates because opioids gave me my life back. I was able to have my colostomy bag reversed. But let me preface this. I also... I think your son's also on Remicade. I'm on methotrexate. I go to physical therapy twice a week. I have a clean diet. At the end of the day, a very small daily dose of opioids was able to give me my life back. So I am a huge proponent of um, pain medication for legitimate chronic pain patients. I'm also a supporter of Kratom. And I just like to bring the two communities together. But I do find that um, the Kratom community bashes pharma you know, opioids. And it's something that we're working on. Um, what are your thoughts about merging the two communities without attacking opioids? And can it be done or can it not be done because of what Kratom has done for uh, people with addiction? My view is it can be done. There are lots of people that have misperceptions about the reality. Opioids have a place. Uh, we obviously don't like illicit opioid use, particularly if it's contaminated and adulterated and mixed together in ways that's not supervised properly. So I think there's an opportunity to do this. There are going to be detractors in both of our communities. We, we get bashed all the time. Every time we send out a fundraising appeal, someone will write and say, that's the last straw for me. I'm never going to give another penny to the AKA. And we'll check, and we'll find out that individual never gave a penny in the first place. They just like <laughs> to be loud. you know. And we say, well, thank you for your support. We'll see you later, because it doesn't matter, because they don't do anything but yell and scream. And you know what? It's a free country, and that's what our First Amendment right gives us, and we support that. Uh, but it, it should at least be somewhat factual. And so we point out, as best we can, well, thank you, but you haven't given anything up to now, so we're not going to miss your contributions. But, but I think that a re-education of those people that sort of have a knee-jerk reaction to the pharmaceutical community, pharma has a significant role to play in, in the uh, saving of lives with blockbuster, blockbuster drugs, with lots of therapies that are extremely invaluable. My son, as you mentioned, is one of them, a beneficiary. He has Crohn's disease. I think all of us in what, have people that are benefited from it. But what we, we really want to fight is the close-minded attitude of some of these people who think that pharma drugs are the only option when they're not. And that's the fight we have with the FDA. Yeah. Because unless it's a synthesized chemical formulation, and it could include some plants, they don't care. And a lot of people ask me, well, why is that? Well, I, I was there at the, in, in the early 80s when I saw the FDA firsthand, and they were they were difficult to deal with. And to them, everything is about, you know, a certain uh, structure of a clinical trial, a lot of expenses involved with that. They literally got into the point, got to the point that they could not even function. And that's why they passed the prescription drug user fee act. And, and the pharmaceutical industry agreed to that in order to get the resources to the FDA uh, to make sure they could adequately and efficiently evaluate new drug applications. So they were willing to pay it, but there had to be an agreement that there was going to be a timetable. Well, in the first couple of years after passage of Padufa, about 9% of the FDA's overall budget was paid by those user fees. Today, it's over 60%. So you can see the reliance that comes of the, uh, the, from Padufa. And by the way, it's not the drug companies. They, they just wanted to have an efficient system. It's the FDA that's the problem. And somehow, we've got to get into a position where there's a recognition of safe, natural products that won't ever add a penny 
in terms of user fees to the FDA's bottom line, but to get them to fairly evaluate the potential effect they can have on people's lives with a good therapy that is going to be an alternative to what otherwise might be a more dangerous product, albeit a pharmaceutical product. And in combination with some products, I, I'm a believer in opioids. I believe that you, you have to, with a well-supervised, physician-supervised treatment regimen, opioids are essential. But there are also going to be patients that are going to be able to use natural-based products like CBD, like Kratom, uh, that shouldn't be so restricted by the FDA's lock on us. And that's what we're fighting for. Hey, uh, thanks for just real quick, Claudia. Thanks for addressing that in the room, uh, the, the elephant in the room when it comes to opioids and Kratom and how the two communities can kind of clash at times, but we really need to work together. And I just want to make it clear and everybody knows Dave and I are for use of everything. So we're good. We're good with both sides. We, we, we think that we should, you know, they have too many uh, business uh, has taken over a lot of this. Big business has taken over a lot of this. And then you have the illicit side, which is just driven more and more. And I just want to go back and make one point uh, that Max said b- before the show ends. And I want to, I, I don't want to forget is when he was talking about people getting, using Kratom to help with their addiction. And that's very important. That's very important that you can use a drug to help the addiction of a more dangerous drug, a less dangerous drug. And unfortunately, in the system that we have right now, the criminal justice system, when you get caught up in that, they require you go into 12-step programs. And 12-step programs don't believe in um, replacing one substance with another. It's a group therapy. It's a, you know, being clean and all these things. And I think that the majority of people, the majority of people that get forced into that kind of treatment and because the courts on the lower level and the the higher level courts too require this treatment, I think it's very dangerous. The thought that you have to, if you have an addiction problem, you have to go cold turkey through the system. And then when people go to jail, addicts that go to jail, pain patients that go to jail, they don't have access to their medications. They don't have access to their dependencies or they don't have an alternative. I think it's uh, a it's very like set up to fail. It, yeah. The whole thing is just, you know, very in an overall nutshell, but that's, that's one of, that's a, that's a good thing to hear. I like hearing that. You know, and Claudia, you've said the same thing. You're people that, you know, they were cut off their opioids. Some people are using the Kratom. I love hearing, I love hearing that people are finding a way to live the best life they can, the most comfortable life they can, you know, the most pain-free, the most happy life they can. So, Just saying, if cocaine was legal, I'd be happy. <laughs> That'd be my, my drug of choice. Listen, I'm still stuck on that I cheese gotta, thing with Dr. McDonald's. <laughs> Yeah, one last thing before we end. I know that we're short on time. I got to tell people that when I run into to an advocate like Claudia, I've got to salute her. I mean, she's selfless. She's doing it for the right reasons. I hear her voice. Uh, it is a fantastic advocate that Rhode Island has, and I know that she goes far beyond the borders of Rhode Island. Uh, not that that's hard, because I know it's a small state, but Claudia <laughs> really has been a great asset uh, to uh, – to the pain community, and I am in awe of what she's able to accomplish 
They'll be trying to steal our girl now here. I know. Easy there, man. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was when I started this, I could see, wow, the addictions community really hates the pain community. And that's why uh, I knew I needed to be, I need, I needed to extend myself to the addictions community because both communities deserve to be treated with compassion and empathy and respect. And now that I'm working with the addictions community, I have, um, a little more structure, especially when I testify. I've got some meat, some substance to what I do, but I just really hate begging lawmakers for anything. Um, and you know, my job, Mac, is to make lobbyists rich, lawyers rich. I make everybody rich these days. Dr. Feldman, my <laughs> business partner, is like, you got to stop giving everything. You give too much shit away. He gets mad with me, but I think we're making headway. Mac Hatto, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I know I'll see you again in Rhode Island. Um, and I'm happy. Please have, you know, have Bill Murphy call me anytime. Happy to help. Um, I would take great pleasure in going up against Dr. McDonald. I'm actually getting euphoric feelings like with cheese, uh, <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> um, I, hey, everybody, don't forget, make sure you visit the American Kratom Association. If you can, only if you can donate um, for my people, uh, you know, if we can, we've had so much success, not doesn't work for everybody. I will say that because I don't, I know a lot of people will say, Claudia, I can't take Kratom. It makes me sick. It upsets my stomach. Um, so it doesn't work for everybody and opioids don't work for everybody. Yeah, it's just they like everything, everything, you know, everything doesn't yeah. work for everybody. It's just the way it is. Yeah. You can, so you, Mac, let's, have a, let's have a full toolbox Yeah. and whatever works for you, let's be able to use it. I love, it. Yeah. I love the analogy. Oh yeah, the toolbox. I love my 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 providers. They have their toolbox. I'll tell you what's in that toolbox all the time is buprenorphine. They love that tool. Um, and yeah. you know, like I said, it, it it helps a lot of people. But if there's a, a safer, more affordable, and you're not a slave, you know, I mean, I don't struggle with addiction, thank God. But if I did, I don't want to have to be a slave to another drug. And if Kratom, a natural supplement a tea works it should not be banned in my state i deserve that respect i deserve to be able to get something to help me with my addiction to help me with my pain and i'm going to make sure this happens in rhode island mac mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us everybody don't you can reach out um you can donate at the american kratom association any last thoughts mac no, thank you very much for this opportunity because I think this does move the ball. And and a shout out to Brian Patrick Kennedy, our sponsor for the Creighton Consumer Protection Act on the House side. He's been a real warrior for us. Uh, and we're welcoming your help, uh, Claudia, because we're going to be successful. Mac, uh, we want to thank you too from the Daily Attic podcast. We'll make sure that uh, this live broadcast is going to be uh, released uh, early this week. and. In the show notes, it'll have uh, the links to your website and everything like that, some information. So make sure uh, everybody checks that out. Yeah. All, right. All right. Thank Good you very hate. much. Thanks, Mac. Thanks, Mac. All right. Claudia will be back shortly. What the hell? <laughs> Dude, it's every time I hang up with somebody, man, it goes crazy. Every time Dave hangs up with a guest.
Uh, hey, well, welcome back, oh Claudia. Welcome I back, s- Claudia. I- welcome I back, sounded- Claudia. <laughs> welcome back, Claudia. Welcome back, Claudia. Welcome back. I sounded like the devil. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever Dave, <laughs> she said. <laughs> Every time I hang up, that happens with people, man. Yes. Yeah, I got to remember to turn the Bluetooth off. It's because he's got an Android phone, but we'll go into oh, that no, later. Oh, no, no, no. Um, That's because you're using you know, a Mac computer. Yeah, okay. he's, pretty, so, he's a pretty cool guy, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. No, that was a that was a great. Oh, I'm going to destroy. I, to I don't him. care if I destroy my legislation. I'm going after McDonald's. <laughs> Going after McDonald's. You, going after you know what gets me about this little fucker is... When I first met him, I was bamboozled by him. I was so naive, right? I kid you not, he stands at about four feet tall, and he was telling me how his CPAP machine was cha- has changed his life. I said, how about if I take that CPAP away from you? He said, what? I said, what would it feel like? You would be choking in the middle of the night. You wouldn't like that. Mm-hmm. But. You know why I really dislike, I, and I'm never wrong about people. I am never wrong. Something about that man does not sit with me. And I'm going to get to the Napoleon complex. I, Napoleon I complex. Napoleon complex. That's what Melissa yes, saying. I don't, but it was, my brother died. It's going to be one year in a few weeks. My brother died one year ago today. Oh, he was, my brother was the head of special victims for Providence Police. He was the biggest anti-opioid zealot. And he would not take, he wouldn't take anything for anxiety. And he was having like these, he was on dialysis. He was having many heart attacks or many strokes. The poor kid could not breathe. And he would take ibuprofen by the fistful because he was a bodybuilder. But that, that ibuprofen destroyed my brother's kidneys. I'm, I'm talking fistfuls. I and I said, I had yeah. to testify right after he died. I was really, I was so out of it. Um, and I, I, I think I challenged McDonald. I was, I had a te- I showed up right after I had treatment. So I was pretty sick this day. And it was the week after my brother died. I just got out of Remicade. I drove to the state house and Right in the middle of my testimony, he gets up and he walked away. I was like, excuse me, stop. I got up. I chased him out of the room. I said, where are you going? I said, that, I said, no, no. I showed you respect. You show me respect. This little, I can't swear again. He was, I, I had to chase him down the corridor. I said, let me tell you Fuck something. It. You said it. <laughs> I said, my brother died because of an, he was an anti-opioid zealot like you. He's like, Claudia, that was his choice. I said, no. That was his choice because it was forced on him as a cop. It was forced on him by the Brainwashed. media. Yeah. And yeah. just something about that little man um, just gets under my skin. So I will fight for credit. Listen, I'll get that shit passed in Rhode Island before I'll get my own bill passed. I don't get, I don't care. I'm going to make it happen. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teresa says, happy Mother's mm. Day to you, Claudia. Very enthusiastically. Thank Anybody want to call in? Beautiful hair, Teresa. I love it. I love the purple hair you, you got going. You can see her hair. Oh, hi, yeah, Teresa. She's got a little picture I on know her. Teresa. I can she's see. A, she's there. All I can see yours too. Yeah, you don't want to. I can see well from your picture. Oh, you don't yeah. want to see my hair right now. I wear a hat every Dude. day. We all got COVID hair. Dude, right you now. don't want to see I'm about to have me. a ponytail in about two weeks. Yeah. You're gonna see the new hippie. It'd be Tim the hippie. Tim the hippie's podcast. Tippy. With, with Dave. Tippy. Tippy. Oh. Tippy's podcast. Yeah, I'm not feeling so cute. Your boy Dave and Claudia. No, I'm. Oh, that's all right. We're, we're all 
Hey, I'm sure you look just fine, Claudia. I'm sure that are you still do, working out? Are you still oh, doing the home workout yeah. with your new with your uh, treadmill? Oh God, or, yeah. Wait, you got a? Did you get a treadmill or a stair? No, I've got the stairmaster. I'm no, I've got the treadmill. The stair no, not I yeah. can't fit the stairmaster. Okay. But oh, I'll make a mind up. Oh, yeah. No, I would never take a day off from training. Are you kidding me? I, I, I no, I'd fucking hang myself. I could never. I got to work out every day. But tomorrow. Well, you sound you sound you sound a lot better though. Like a few, I want to say maybe two episodes ago when we called you when this COVID thing was kind of in the still beginning stages i don't think you were i think you were still kind of adjusting to it i don't know if you had your stair stepper machine yet or not no, I was or sick. if you've always had it but no i was sick oh you were sick yeah, I yeah know, you weren't you weren't yourself i know i don't let people know when i'm sick i don't i don't like to be vulnerable like that but i think i have to work on that a little more i get accused of that but you know why because who wants to see um i'm the leader of my organization right why would anybody want to see a sick leader? I'm not saying I'm the leader of, you know, the the pain right. world because right. I'll, you know, get attacked for that. But when I see um, somebody I look up to, I like to see them positive, strong, stay vigilant, fuck everything yes. else. But um, yes. when, but I'm kind of a hypocrite because I'm, when I'm sick, I don't really let on to people that I'm sick. But okay, next next show, I'll be like, hello. <laughs> but tomorrow i am going on the louis b free show uh 10 o'clock in the morning okay. eastern standard and um i'm like god louis i don't know i look really awful my hair is terrible and that's all i was thinking of is i haven't had botox in god 8 10 12 weeks who knows i mean that's in my food pyramid so you're gonna see i'm gonna i'm gonna morph into an unrecognizable person tomorrow but i am going on the louis b free show uh, that man is a huge supporter let me tell you he's been so good louis b free you heard everybody so how are they going to find that is that on facebook yeah, so, is that a facebook live thing or well, is that both he actually he uh, he has um some type of affiliation with nbc out of ohio and he lets me oh okay. yeah he lets me say what i want to say and he um oh beautiful i know i'm really i always say i'll always polite but i'll i won't be censored and tomorrow we're going to discuss remember a few weeks ago we interviewed that wisconsin pain management doctor well, yeah, I have yeah. learned he was making reference to um, a, a Wisconsin a doctor that helped create the Wisconsin guidelines. Well, this doctor's name is Michael McNett. This monster testifies against other doctors, breaks them, leaves them yeah. penniless, but it gets worse. I didn't realize we were talking about Dr. McNett. Three of his patients have come to me for help. And I said, I can't believe I'm, I'm in Rhode Island and I'm receiving not one, not two, but three complaints against this doctor in Wisconsin. So Dr. McNett, if you hear me, my friend, I will see you in court. Uh, and you've got some splaining to do, boy, because hey, this, is, this, this is like a great idea. While you're on that show tomorrow, grab a bottle of Happy of Life yeah. and administer it under your tongue yeah. while on the show with the label facing out. No, I could get shut down. He could get shut down for that. You not? Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, because yeah. Well, well, it'd be worth it. But you, but you know what? We got to, we got to get you the pineapple flavor first, because I don't want that. I don't want anybody seeing you put that on your Bitter tongue face. and then make that I face know, like you just bit into uh, a radish mm, or something. That could happen with the pineapple. It's me. I can't. There's 
Do you know I can only no, drink? No, you'd be good. I, it's all earthy tasting. Yeah, okay. We can, That's just the way it no, is. No, I texted um, Dave. Didn't I text you, Dave, after I tried it? We text like every yeah. day. So. I was like, Dave, I, I just tried it. Um, he's like, oh, no, I, I'm, not like gonna say what you, I'm not going to say what you I'm not going to say what you called me. <laughs> no, I think you said man up. She's like, man up, you pussy. I said, man up, pussy. <laughs> My mother's like, oh, what does that mean, man up, pussy? <laughs> oh, that was funny. But Dr. Feldman loved it. Oh, wow, guys, we I kept you. Wow, it's already 720. Well, it's okay. We still have um we we have a lot of things to send you, so be expecting it. If we ship it today or tomorrow, it'll probably be there in two weeks, the way everything's going right now. But we're gonna get you the things you need because um, you know, you're our girl. Yeah. We need to take care yeah. of you. Make sure you get that. Yeah, shit. that was nice to hear Max say Happy something. Yeah, happy life herbals. Yeah, I've got it. I'm looking at my bottle as we, I'm, I'm like, hey, you want some? My mother's like, don't you dare. You'll go to prison. She's only 14 years old. <laughs> my mother's like, give it to me. I'll try it. I'll try it. But I was like, no, she's 84 and I'm always afraid something. You know, my mother broke her back. That woman, um, I, oh God, I'll get my ass kicked for this. She can't take pain medication. She gets very, very sick. And I went to the dispensary, the medical marijuana dispensary, and I got her the every type of oil. But oh, that poor woman threw her guts up. She was unable. She just, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think when yeah, you, anything with THC, it, you know, if you gave her anything with THC, that's good. That's that's probably what it was, yeah. uh, in my opinion. I yeah, I don't advocate for a whole lot of people seventy-five and older. I don't think. Um, I want to say, I think I can say this with certainty, 75 and older or 80 and older, they really haven't been exposed to a whole lot of pain medication. My mother's yeah. generation. Um, yeah. Even my dad, my dad didn't use pain even on his deathbed. Like I was the one administering his morphine, but I think his body, like, you know, God just took over, but they just were never exposed to it. Does that sound weird? Maybe that's yeah. not true. No. No, no, no. no, that's true. I think that's, I think back in that, I think that's when, I think healthcare was a different thing. I think our diets were a different thing. I think it was just a whole different. Yeah, you went culture. to the doctor and the doctor said, man up, pussy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your tooth hurts, right. man up, pussy. Yeah, there you I go. Know, go rub some dirt on it. it. Rub some dirt on my, it and call me tomorrow. My mother never complains. I mean, she fell down the stairs because she took my ungrateful kids to Walmart and she broke her back in three places, broke her collarbone, broke her foot. She became septic, needed a tooth pulled. And this woman never, she never once said, oh, no, no, she did in the emergency room. And I almost lunged at the doctor, poor bastard. Um, she's like, oh, oh, my God, my, I'm in so much pain. And I said, if you make my mother suffer longer than 10 seconds, it's going to be very bad for you, Otis. His name was Otis because I testify with him. And he looked at me. He's like, no, 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 we've got her. He's like, oh, boy, I know you've got her. Because oof, when you advocate for your mom, oh my God, it's mm -hmm. just different. I can't advocate like that. When I advocate for my my clients, very different. I don't threaten mm. Otis with injury. Um, <laughs> for so, you guys, um, tell me how is Happy Life Herbals? Is it taking off? Or is it just yeah, it's a brand new baby? Yeah, we're building. 
we're building the foundation. It's uh, it's we're very, still changing his diapers. Yes, we are. So as you know, we're licensed. Uh, we're we're state licensed handling of of CBD, which lab a lot tested. a lot of these businesses aren't. We're lab tested. We have several different products now. We have our regular Happy Life Herbals CBD full spectrum, no flavor. We have uh, Mackinac hemp cherry flavor and pineapple flavor tincture. We have Mackinac hemp must CBD muscle freeze. It's 650 milligrams of muscle freeze. And then we have also um, the lotion. The lotion. We have a body lotion, Put 500 milligram uh, CBD body lotion. And soon, we're going to have the CBD um, Happy Life's Pet Line. We're going to have Happy Life's Pet Line, and we're also going to have Mackinac Hemp's uh, massage oil with CBD in it. And we're going to hit some of these uh, spas can up. You use that for yes. massages. I, I was just going to yeah, say, listen, I'm going to make a suggestion, and don't, don't, it's not, don't mock me. You know what you're going to do for 2021? You're going to sponsor what? a CBD baby shower or a CBD bridal yeah. shower. Yeah. Think, yeah. Think outside, like think outside the box. Because we got there. There's bath, Are you getting married. There's bath bombs. I wish. There's um. No, I don't wish. You know, we're looking. At, we're looking at bath bombs. Um, we got to get you a man that can handle no you though. Shit, You're feisty. Right. We got to hey, get. Hey, I meant to tell you. They just can't handle you. You know what? So I'm gonna when I'll be in Michigan the end of the summer. I'll be visiting. Well, I don't know Michigan, but I'm I'm gonna be staying. You told me where I'm gonna be staying. It's on the water. The west side state. Yeah. yeah. What's it called? What's the name of it? Traverse City. That Traverse, Traverse City. City. Because um, a lobbyist, he was flying in to see me. He's from Michigan. Ron Chapman is from Michigan. Um, mm -hmm. Andrew, a lawmaker, he's from, everybody's from Michigan. David Israel's from Michigan. So, you know, I decided. Well, hopefully by then we'll have our massage oils out. And we yeah, can... there you go. Boom, boom. Yes. Something, God's telling me, God is driving me. He's He's telling me, Claudia, go to Michigan. Go to Michigan. Um, I mean, that's where all the cool people kind of live. So, yeah. You think shit's going to yeah. be open by the end of the summer? Yeah. I certainly I hope don't know. So. I think it will. Because we opened up yesterday and I went to stimulate the economy and nothing was open. And they could have opened, but the stores, nope. Macy's, everything, you know, these people, like, I'm not going to take any chances. I'm going to pay people to come in and then we spike and then you close us down again. So that was a little, It's kind of like New York that just happened there. They I, spiked back up. I just want to share uh, the newest news story out of Canada. Their scientists are researching cannabis to prevent COVID. I know that sounds out there. But man, you got to, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. You have to look into what they're doing over there. Okay, I thought you were going to say And they got the a point that. I thought you were going to. No. Because I was really happy about that. No. no. Canada, they outlawed high powered um, guns. Rifle. Oh, you mean like uh, automatics yeah. and stuff like yeah. that? Or, I, or Automatics always been outlawed. Yeah. Or semi-automatics or Semi-automatics, every gun. So what is it? High, high no, powered rifles like the now? one because of this, that shooting in Nova Scotia, they killed. Yeah. I'll tell you, can, Canadians, they don't take that shit lightly. No. Why would anybody have 
a, a high-powered, what is it called, a machine gun? I don't even know what the term is. No, it's not a machine. It'd be like an a, like a AR. AR-15 oh, isn't it? I something. thought they weren't making AR-15. I'll get attacked. I can't say any more about guns because I know. Which is just a two twenty. I mean, it's the same as like a .30-06 or, I mean, yeah. it's no. All right, I, I interrupted know. you. I'm sorry. I, you were talking about. I have, no, a different, I have a different thought on guns than other people i guess you're i believe you should be able to have whatever you want because we are a free country but yeah it is what it is man some people have different opinions and some people like cheese better than others (laughs) i love cheese we're gonna make some cbd cheese damn it then we're really gonna gonna claudia hell yeah you'd be like this is a gift (laughs) from the yeah so Anyways, I just uh, real quick, I wanted to uh, talk about uh, the way the way that people on here, um, because we still have everybody in our chat. Everybody's still with us. It's been great. Yeah, I want to make sure you guys are following us on Twitter. Follow at C Mirandi. Follow at uh, Herbals Happy. Herbals Happy. Follow at uh, Daily Addict Show, or I think I think it's a. what is it for us? I don't even You're know. You're at Tim I think and Dave. It's at the Daily Addict. No. That's at Podbean. No, on no, Twitter, on Twitter. Um, You're yeah. at Tim and Dave. Are we? Yep. Tim's always. No. Yeah. No, we're at Daily. We're at Daily Addict Show. We're at Daily Addict Show. So make sure you follow us. Make sure you uh, interact. Make sure you go to the websites. Make sure you support. This information has to be supported. And also, uh, share, share, the share. hard, the hard work that everybody puts into what we're doing. Um, make sure that you, you know, you're at least sharing with people, sharing the links, telling people about the don't punish pain rally, telling people about the doctor patient forum, telling them about this broadcast, telling them, you know, share the YouTube link tomorrow, share, share the information. Um, that's important. And thanks for joining us on Podbean. Dot com. Thanks for downloading the app and joining us. Thank you, everybody that shared the show. Thanks for joining the show, being a part of the show. It was a lot of fun. I uh, learned we learned a lot about Kratom. Uh, we always kind of knew a little bit, but we just wanted to provide that information for you all for your benefit. And if you're interested in getting involved, I'll listen to what Mac was saying and. Uh, get involved with your local politicians, get involved with your state legislature. They are accessible and just be persistent, be a pit bull, you know? Yeah. That's the thing. A lot of people I I think are to the point where, you know, they're thinking they've been trying that for years and they're not getting anywhere. So why keep on going? Because you never quit. You never give up. You never give up. Listen to me. You hear that people? You never give up up i i don't have any tattoos you're welcome but when, Teresa. When I, but when i do that's going to be one of my first ones you never get you don't got no tattoos none what about that cramp stamp that you have <laughs> i don't that have any tattoos I was drunk. that's true i don't have any. you don't have any either no i'm old. Oh, what the hell we hey when you're in michigan we can get our first yeah. one then because i'm gonna get never give up listen what are you justin anybody, bieber yes have have you seen the have you <laughs> ever seen the picture of the uh of the uh the stork or whatever that's swallowing the frog and the frog's got his arms around the throat of the birds choking him on his way down that's to me that's you you don't ever do that i would just 
I just experienced this. I just had some high level testing at my job. It was a very difficult test and two people walked out of it. It was so difficult. Really? It was such high level shit. They walked out. It was for aerospace certified soldering inspection, blah, 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 all boring shit. But anyways, they were so overwhelmed by all the technical information. They just said, fuck it. I'm done. I'm done and walked out of the test after the company paid thousands of dollars. And I just sat there and I was like, this is my opportunity. Mm -hmm. This is my opportunity to say, you know what? This shit is hard. I can go enjoy the rest of my day doing my regular. I said, but you know what? Fuck that. I'm not going to quit. I don't give up. Yeah. I failed the test. I, <laughs> I failed the <laughs> test. But, <laughs> but moral of the story is I came back the next day. I passed it. Then I passed the following test and I became certified. But I didn't fucking get, you know, don't ever give up. Everybody, I, I, I agree with Dave. People say I do this all the time. I, I, I share I get this that. all the time. It falls on deaf ears. People but say you know it all what? the time. Wow, wow. why no, are we doing this? We're not. No, you can't. My mom. Are we really getting tattoos? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah you ready? No, too? I'm terrified. Yeah, I'm, ready too. I'm either gonna get redemption or something. I'm gonna, redemption. Yes, I'm gonna have. Redemption I'm gonna have Dr. James McDonald's right across my back with something vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> on top but you know what you're right i don't people always say oh claudia just don't even bother fighting anymore you know we don't have a chance but i couldn't i can't accept no i you know you'll see me no. tweet when when somebody tells you no you force them yes that's it my mom on her gravestone in quotes it's gonna say i want to see the manager because that's how much she complains my mother's like no one's gonna put one over dorothy Mirandi today my mother doesn't take shit from anybody and you know she doesn't care where we are she has no filter like even claudia uh, you know how much free shit i get from companies for bitching oh really <laughs> i don't stop either yeah, I get like free internet and free phones That's my mother. car insurance That's and free oh whatever. Oh my God. That's my mother. My mother, she left. She, I said, where did you go? I went to the store. Oh, they gave me this. I said, why do you have a turkey? She said, there wasn't enough meat on the other one. I said, they gave you a turkey? My mother is the person that takes a half-eaten turkey to the grocery store and comes back with another one. She never, she's the one that. Oh my God, she just, she got cable free for a month because somebody took a tone with her on the phone. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> you gotta fight, man. It, you know, I tell the, the pain community all the time, nothing was easy for me, nothing. When I was in court reporting school, there were usually 40 to 60 people in each class. When we were done, there would only be five who graduated, right? That's it. You can't become a court reporter now. That's why all the schools shut down. People are just, they're not smart enough. Not saying I was smart because I definitely wasn't smart when I was in court reporting school, but we're trained to write 225 words a minute. So it's like learning German and then learning to take it down on a machine that has no numbers, right? 225 words a minute, but we're also trained to take down everybody speaking in the room and we're also trained to retain five minutes worth of testimony in our minds so we're all fucking crazy because only a crazy person could do that right but 
when I was in school, I remember I got really, really sick with Crohn's disease. I ended up in the hospital. I had an NG tube in. And when I came back, my, I failed my first test. And this homely girl in front of me, and she was homely, she turned around. She said, oh, my God, I can't believe you failed that. It was so easy. And I looked at her, and I'm like, bitch, I'm coming for you. You know what I did? <laughs> I slept with my steno machine. I'm serious. I slept with it. I never put it away. I was the first person in the state of Florida at that time to be able to write 240 words a minute. I was so dedicated. So everything I do, I do 100. And I don't accept no. I just don't. But not everybody's like that. I get that. But whatever man you find for me, he's either going to have to have A, a frontal lobotomy, B, be on a lot of kratom. <laughs> Somebody has to, you know, it's, I'm a lot. I'm a lot. I'm like black licorice. You love me or hate me. All right, boys. This was a great show. I thank you. Um, my phone's blowing up with messages. I got to go. I got all these people waiting. All right, guys. Once again, once again, everybody check out our show. Make sure you follow, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, um, Podbean, everywhere, podcast, pod, you and me, pod love. What is that? Pod 2020, is that really? Pod really? No, oh, I just made okay. all that up. There's millions of them though. There's there's Castbox. There's, you know, there's all these of subsidiaries that Apple bought up. There's like a million different pod there's even podcasts. Pandora now. Yes, Pandora. We we're on everything. So make sure you check us all out. Right. We're gonna release this show a lot earlier than the last one. Hopefully tomorrow. Uh, so make sure you get out there, share it. Make sure you get those comments going on that. God bless everybody. Happy Mother's thank Day Bye, to everybody. all you mothers out there. We love you. Um, thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Have, have a great night. Peace.